us from coming. So anyway, it's good to see you. Praise God. This is the first Sunday of the year. This is the way we start things off, you know, ourselves. And uh, it's, it's always great to get in the groove, so to speak, and uh, st- uh, steer up for the next year, get on the right road, get on the right path, get our GPSs and our hearts set, and let Holy Spirit take it from there. Amen, praise God. Good to see you. It is the day that the Lord has made. Yeah, I've been teasing Cammy. I've been calling her Tasha this morning. Uh, I said, you know, she lost a few pounds, and she got her hair dyed blonde. Boy, that lady can sing. Oh, man. I don't know if y'all noticed in the video or not, but there's uh, Dave Binion's the guy playing keys. He and his wife have been praise and worship leaders for years. And then the, the young lady to the, their left, immediate to her left, Every time Tasha was singing, she just looked at her. You could just see how amazed she was. How did she hit that note and that one? <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, but uh, boy, I'd like to get her in here one day. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the rocks won't be crying out when Tasha's around. <laughs> uh, hallelujah. Amen. Well, um, we're going to adjust the message around a little bit today uh, for a couple of reasons, but um, we're going to do the, uh, I can't do it next week. So uh, the artworks are ready for that then, right? <laughs> uh, I'm going to share something else with you uh, that kind of rolls into uh, what we've been doing on Wednesday nights the last several weeks, not the exact the last one, but before that, uh, we've done a series of who will tell them, uh, and we have number six, the final one coming up Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. And this is not the same thing that that is, but it rolls together with it. So I think it'll give you a, a good springboard to jump off of for 2022. Just think in another 200 years, it'll be 22-22. Okay, so Kelly's waiting for that day, right? <laughs> I'm going to be out here before then. <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. And, you know, the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. Um, I'm, I'm amazed at uh, how he puts things together. Um, y'all wouldn't believe it if I told you. Now you'd believe anything I said pretty much, as long as it lines up with the Bible, right? But it, it, he just, I mean, this, we were talking on, the, on Zoom last night, uh, Pastor Kelly and our, um, what, was you, what was that new title you came up with the other day, the uh, production assistant manager in charge, or so, I don't remember anyway, uh, Brad, of course, our production director, and um we shifted the message around last night, actually, and this is something that I have shared before, but I've re, re, re-whipped it, so to speak. In, in fact, I didn't even have it in my computer. Uh, I happened to find it with some notes I had. But then, this morning I get up, and I always check real quick the internet to see if the world's blown up or not. 
And that's actually what I say when I'm looking. And uh, I felt this morning, I, I checked the Daily Wire some, and um, it's a little different. It's not your mainstream media. And uh, there's an article there, and I pulled it up, and I thought, golly, this is just so good. So I'm going to start off reading you a little bit, just a snippet off their news uh, broadcast or their display this morning. But this is something that ought to move our hearts. And I believe this message today will do just that. And I just ask that you, in your own words to the Lord right now in your heart, say, Lord, would you change me today? Would you change me today? I'm going to give you 30 seconds to do that. Lord, would you change me today more into your image? Burn your image in my heart, God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And we're glad, those of you that are on YouTube, that you're on YouTube with us, whether it be today or the next several days coming up. This article, new data, data from the Pew Research Center, shows the toll of secularization and that what it's taking on our country. According to Pew, 63% of Americans in 2021 identify as Christians, compared with 78% in 2007. So it's dropped 14% in 14 years. In, in 2021, 29% indicated they have no religion compared with 16% in 2007. If you're not aware, there's a new move, so to speak. It's supposed to be, I'm spiritual, but I'm not connected with anybody in particular. It's called the nuns. We're not talking about the Catholic ladies, okay? Uh, it's the nuns, and they believe that they're spiritual, but they're not Christians or Muslim or even New Agers. They've just got their own deal going. And if you're listening, uh, and that's you today, then... You need to be here more often. And get off YouTube and come see us. Unless you're in New York City or California, well, then we'll let you keep on watching us on YouTube until the Lord moves you here. Yeah. Praise God. Whereas in 2007, 56% said religion was very important in their lives. 2021 was down to 41%. Perhaps as we close out 2021, we should again recall the words of America's first president, George Washington, in his farewell address. Quote, of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. And let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education on minds of peculiar structure, reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. One of the arguments for God is the moral argument. It's one I like to use a lot. And it basically shows that people of all societies across the earth 
have some similar beliefs in morality when they organize a society like thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet, those kind of things. They, they have that uh, known to them. Now the specifics kind of you know, go from there and they don't necessarily all believe in that. They just know it. But that is in, in organizations and I should say communities that haven't been influenced by the outside world even. They have that. That's one argument for God that everywhere that you go or go back two or three, four hundred years, definitely easy to tell then that there is something higher than yourself. His name happens to be Jesus. Knowing God's attributes create oneness with him. The word compassion, and we're talking today about releasing God's compassion for the lost. Compassion to suffer with, inclined to show mercy, merciful, having a heart that is tender and easily moved by the, by the distresses, sufferings, wants, and infirmities of others. There was never a heart truly great and generous that was not also tender and compassionate. Let God, the Holy Spirit, guide you today. Psalms 103, verse 2. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion. So God's given us. The one thing that we deserve when we come into this world is to go to hell. Oh, that's kind of tough there, isn't it, Pastor Dan? Yeah, it's also very kind of true. We don't deserve what we have. We don't deserve to have the food in our stomach to have the clothes on our back, to live in a country that still has some simplicity of, of uh, freedom, which, praise God, is turning around. We don't deserve to be children of God through the new birth experience. We don't deserve any of these things, but we've been given them freely by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the door to the Father in heaven. We've been given these things with no strings attached. His grace working through faith in us. That is grace, the faith that we have for His grace. Look back where you once were without God. I want to remember enough, just enough, in my past life and when I say past life, I'm not talking about reincarnation. I'm talking about before the rebirth that Jesus gave me. How I once was without him, full of self, full of all of the things that are deviants to the kingdom of heaven. And I want to be able to look at other people who are in that situation right now that don't have Jesus as Lord and Savior, that don't know Him and how great He is. I want to be able to look at them and that, 
with that same perspective. <coughs> that I could look at them and say, you know, I used to be like that. I was like that. Past tense. Until this new life was given to me by Jesus Christ. That's what I want to see other people as. Candidates for the new birth. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. I mean, my goodness, that's what Jesus says about us. A holy nation, a people belonging to God, <coughs> that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Second song we sang today, the very end of it goes that he came into darkness. He had to to rescue me, to rescue you, to rescue the people that he's going to be rescuing. Verse 10, once you were not a people. That's a pretty emphatic statement right there. Everybody was on a self-help trip. Mm. Don't lose that one. We've all been there, selfishness, caring about number one and nobody else. We've been there. Some of us still have a little tad in that every now and then. (laughs) You are not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We'll probably get into that a little bit next week when we talk about grace. Mercy wipes the slate clean. Mercy wipes the slate clean. The blood of the Lamb of God wipes it all clean. Every once in a while, I get a little dirt on that plate or whatever, and that confession just sets it all straight again. His mercy endures forever. Oh, my goodness. If we could just grasp the heights and depths of that. Again, all I deserved was hell. Now that I've been made in the image of Jesus Christ, talking about the inward man, a spirit creation, then my opportunity is to share that with others, to live that in front of others, to go with that, and to speak of it here and everywhere else I am. It's an opportunity. Look through the eyes of Jesus. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. That fulfills all the law. Pray again, Father, change me. Change me. Change me. Psalms 11, 4 says the Lord is compassionate and gracious. Remember what I said about oneness with God? Knowing His attributes puts us in place of oneness with Him. 
Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Folks, that's not a suggestion. That's a command. Clothe yourselves, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Put them on. Make sure when you, before you get out of bed that you've got that clothed on you for the day. Matthew 9, 36. Talking about Jesus here. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I've shared before about the times that used to go out on the streets and witness and about a, a young man sitting on the back of his tailgate of his pickup truck watching what we were doing, showing some videos and preaching a short message to the people that were scattered out, gathered there, the young people, uh, high school and college age, connecting, making sin connections for the night. And this young man was over there, and he didn't move. He just sat there and watched. Wouldn't talk to him, spent a couple hours with him. Next week he was there, spent an hour and a half with him before he received Jesus. But the first week he said, I wondered how long it was going to take somebody to come over here and tell me about him. Somebody can be right across the street from the church building and lost as a goose. Somebody can live next door to you and be lost as a goose. Somebody can be in your family that you've had Thanksgiving and or Christmas dinner with or maybe New Year's, whatever, and they can be lost as a goose. Have we shown, displayed compassion for them? Have we shared the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ? Have we taken the step forward or are we so concerned that they may reject us? Did Jesus ever get rejected? And he's a whole lot better person than you'll ever be. Love walking in the flesh, Jesus Christ. Loving people, caring for people, telling them nothing but truth. Praying and staying up all hours of the night to prepare himself for the next day. To go into any situation. The very first message he tried to preach, or did preach, in Luke chapter 4, you read about it. They tried to push him off a cliff. That's how well he was received. Told him nothing but truth and love. Yeah, you're going to be rejected if you share the gospel. Just count on it. If you sell the M&Ms at the street corner, you're going to be rejected. Not everybody's going to buy them. Okay. And all they do is just give you a trip to the dentist. Verse 37, he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but... The workers are few. 
Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Will you look at that person in the mirror and say, I prophesy to you, person in the mirror. You're a member of the harvest team for Jesus. (laughs) And speak it. Speak it. Psalms 145.8, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. That song came out about a year ago, Reckless Love, Corey Asbury. Do <laughs> you know he's got a lot of flack over that song? There's people on YouTube talking about how sacrilegious and unholy and all that kind of stuff. See, they don't know the same God he knows. I listened to him this morning talk about writing that song. He said, it didn't say that God's reckless, but his love exhibits itself in that way. He'll go anywhere to do anything to get to us, to save the one. Look what he did to save you. I praise God. That somehow, in a couple of car wrecks I had, B.C., that I wasn't killed. I praise God that several flings I had with a bottle did not bring death to me. I praise God, Holy Spirit came to me and showed me how stupid I was. Yeah, you can have a beautiful wife and two wonderful sons and cars and and home and all that stuff and go straight down the chute to hell. And you can live in hell on earth because any time without God is hell. It's just going to be worse than the afterlife. As a youth pastor and an outreach person, I had young teenagers, I remember, back in those days. I'm going to party in hell. I said, well, number one, it ain't going to be any party. Number two, you won't even be able to see anybody you know because you're going to be so messed up and you're going to be screaming so loudly. And they're going to be doing the same thing. That you're not even going to be able to get together and do your thing. Get off the trip of the pleasure of the flesh. Oh, that fruit looks so good to eat. God said, don't eat it. But it looks good to eat. Did God say, don't eat this? Surely not. I've heard people tell me, you know, alcohol and marijuana and other drugs is God's gift. (laughs) Some of you were, but now you're a child of God. Now can you share the good news, the great news, the fantastic news.
that Jesus Christ is alive and has a plan and purpose for your life. And if you connect with him, you'll know what it is. Step by step. Amen. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love, rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. One translation says he has compassion on, over all his works. Number one, mercy and compassion motivate God. Mercy and compassion motivate God. Number two, his ability to exert his spiritual power is not the reason God performs mighty works. I say again, his ability to exert his spiritual power is not the reason God performs mighty works. Number three, he displays his power because of mercy and compassion. He's a merciful God. He's a compassionate God. And when you talk to people about him, the display of mercy and the display of compassion will come together and the conviction of the Holy Spirit will be on them to bring them another step closer to relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe it's a rest restoration of the relationship. Remember, one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. Oh my goodness. For the people that you meet every day. Look at every one of them and think, I wonder if they're going to heaven with me. And it's okay to ask somebody that. Well, that's kind of being smart. No, it's, it's kind of just being one with them. Hey, I want to ask you, are you going to heaven with me? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Are you sure? Because I have good news for you. You can. And you can have a great trip on the way there. Do you know my best friend? I, th I think you might know my best friend. My, I'm not sure. Or do, you, do you know know my best friend? Who is that? Jesus Christ. Yeah. Sometimes they don't say yeah. Sometimes they say No. That's good. At least they're honest. But that gives you something to work with. Something, a seed to put in them, like the guy that told me, life is so short, eternity is so long. <sighs> Hebrews 12, 1, and 1 to 3 will tell us that Jesus being crucified was joy to the Father. That Jesus being crucified was joy to Jesus. How can I say such a thing? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles or ensnares. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There's a race marked out for you. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him 
endured the cross. Why do I say the Father? Why do I say Jesus had the, that the cross was joyful? Because they knew it had to be done. And mercy and compassion moved him to go and endure the cross so that he could provide salvation for mankind which had gone astray and rebelled to God and wanted to do their own thing. Oh my goodness. Verse 3, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In other words, if he went through what he did and he did, what have we got to worry about? It's like Ben Priest told the ex-Hell's angel guy that he used to ride with when the guy pulled a pistol and stuck it right to his head. Ben looked at him and says, go ahead and make my day. I think that's where Clint Eastwood got it. Make my day. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What have we got to, to lose? Come on. Well, I want to see such and such. You ever had a little kid tell you, well, I want to learn how to ride a bicycle. I tell you what, you can learn in heaven. I'm not trying to get anybody there too fast now. But I am saying, compared to what Jesus, the King of glory, did, what he stooped to, to the cross, he didn't even have to leave heaven. But he did. Because he could see Dan Boone 2,000 years ago and said, that guy needs me. He'd see you 2,000 years ago and thought, I'm going to go for them. I'm going to endure this for them so that we can provide life eternal. I'll pay the price, the debit that they can't pay. I will pay it for them. And all I have to do is just go through this excruciating stuff for the next 24 hours or so. And then to the pit. Jesus did that. God. For me. I had somebody ask me just the other day. I hadn't had anybody ask me this in a long time. Well, what if I was the only one that ever sinned? If you were the only one who had ever sinned, Jesus would have come on the tree for you. <laughs> what else can I say? John the Baptist, Jesus' first cousin, was beheaded. Beheaded because he prophesied of Jesus and then told people who he was and who he would be. The, the Lamb, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He got arrested. And when he was there, he said, Up, ah, you, you got this deal going on, King. You got too many wives here. And then his daughter said, I want his head. I'll give you anything in the kingdom. I'll, I want his head. She got it on a platter because the king said she could have whatever she wanted. Because his word meant more to her than his actions towards God did. 
Matthew 14, 13, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately until a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Have you followed Jesus on foot from town to town? When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. John the Baptist had his head taken off. Jesus was trying to get out of there so he could have some grieving time. It was his first cousin. Also had an unusual conception of birth. His first cousin, the one person that would understand him, got his head cut off. He tries to go to grieve for a while. And what happened? These people just follow after him, walking after him, find him. And he looks at them. It is the greatest time of grief up to them. And had compassion on them. A lot of us would just flip them off and walk and turn around the other way. Don't look at me so unholy. I'm not going to deal with them now. I've got a cold. Oh, I... I stubbed my toe on that furniture piece the other day, and I'm just—I I can't walk. I, I can't go there. I stay at home. I'll get them next week. Next week may never come in the road to eternity for somebody. Jesus had compassion on them. <laughs> And he healed them. I've read about some of these guys back in the 50s in the healing revivals. And some of them literally would pray for people, lay hands on people for hours and hours and hours and hours at a time. Some of those guys wore their bodies out praying for people. They'd preach at 7 o'clock and be through at around 9 or 10, start laying hands on people. And they might not go to bed at 6 o'clock in the morning praying for people. It, he had a similar experience, I would imagine. Compassion for the people took priority. Compassion puts you in the healing ministry. Well, I, I wouldn't know how to, you know, heal anybody. Well, that's okay because you're not going to be able to. You're going to let Jesus, and you're going to open the door to Jesus healing them. Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. <laughs> All you can do is be a donkey. Say, hey, stop right there. Let me pray for you in the name of Jesus. I don't want that. He sure wants you because he loves you. You don't know what I've done. <laughs> you don't know what he's done. See, this thing is a lot easier than what we try to make it. Plain, simple truth is very convenient. Matthew 14, 15. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. You compassionate disciples. You've got God standing there, and you're telling him what to do. You know what happened? Jesus said, Y'all, y'all get the blank out of here. Go. No, he didn't say that, did he? The Bible says 
five fish and five loaves. Doesn't the Bible say fishes? Why does the Bible say fishes? should be fish. Five fish and five loaves fed 5,000 men. Now, not in our church, but in a lot of churches, 5,000 men must be about 25,000 people because there's a lot more women and kids there. <laughs> Moving right along. Compassion puts you in the miracle ministry. Oh, I, I want to get them something. Compassion will enable you to do the supernatural. Matthew 9, 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Now, we just read that and go to the next sentence. Teaching. You don't teach in three seconds. It takes time. You don't preach a message in five seconds. It takes time. You don't heal people in 10 seconds. He was there for quite a while to be able to do that. And he went around from place to place, from place to place. He was the original circuit rider. <laughs> yeah, teaching and preaching and healing. That was his ministry. That's what made up his ministry. Teaching and preaching and healing, teaching and preaching and healing, teaching and preaching and healing, teaching and preaching and healing. It's a good little formula to follow. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Kelly and I were talking a few minutes earlier, and I said, you know, so many people are materialistic today. That's what their belief system is based on. I will believe it if I see it. Have you seen your brain? Have you seen your heart? Have you seen, if somebody handed you love? I'm not talking being nice to you. I'm saying just took love and handed it to you. I can't see love. I can't see joy. I can see it in people. And most of them have it sometimes and not at other times. He said, I would that your joy be full. But materialism confines everything, limits it, puts a limit on it. If I can't see it, smell it, touch it, feel it, hear it, then it doesn't exist. How stupid is that? There's something a lot higher than that. Now, I'm not saying you just believe anything for no reason. You need to have substantiation on it. But there's a much higher thing than materialism. In this postmodernist world, <laughs> I gotta have proof. I gotta have proof. I gotta have proof. Well, would you that bottle with that X on it and the skeleton and everything says poison? Uh, if you want some proof that it'll kill you, go ahead and drink it. You know, I have faith not to drink it. <laughs> Verse thirty-seven. Then he said to the disciples. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers to his harvest field. <laughs> Compassion puts you in the teaching ministry. 
We could go on and on with examples of Jesus. Compassion is larger than your offenses and your sins and your weaknesses and your shortcomings. Because love is larger than your offenses, your sins, your weaknesses, and your shortcomings. Why? Because God is larger than your offenses, your sins, your weaknesses, and your shortcomings. <laughs> God is. Compassion. We need to weep before God for people who are lost that are all cramming themselves. Have you ever seen a picture of people uh, in some of the Asian countries when they get on these uh, trains, subways, and they literally pushing people trying to get another three more into that car that's supposed to hold 50, and they already got 250 in there. They're pushing more in there. That's the way people are on the road to hell today. They may not be pushing to get there, but they are by their beliefs and their actions and their thoughts. They want to ride to hell and don't even know where they're going. So are you, unless you got saved and you're about six, and I'm talking about quality saved, and you fit the, the model there. I was real stupid. I was 36 when I got saved. That's dumb. But to whom much is forgiven, much is loved. The shoe fits where it. <laughs> Compassion. Jesus looked at the crowds and wept because they were what? Like sheep. They don't know what they're doing, where they're going. Well, I don't want to be a goat. Nope. Just want to be a sheep. <laughs> Following Jesus. Following Him. Not a false Christ, an antichrist, myself. I want to follow the one I trust, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Luke 6, 21, Bible says, Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Compassion will lead you to sow seeds in tears. Psalms 126, 5 says, Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, that's my bag of the word, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him or carrying the harvest with him. If we go out with the seed, the word of God, what does Jesus talk about in Mark chapter 4 about Sowing the seed, how it's the most important parable. If you don't understand that, when you want to understand any parables, he talks about it falls on four different types of ground. Yeah, well, we've got to throw some on the wayside. That's, why, that's the asphalt streets. You throw it there, the birds come, chirp, gone. And there's other seed that we sow, and it's in rocky ground. And boy, everybody goes, hallelujah, praise the Lord, I'm a Christian, glory to God, thank you, Lord. But they have no root in themselves. And when the things of life come up, didn't do that one right. That's as close as I can get to Pac-Man anymore. Some of you don't know what Pac-Man is. The little dude on the video game. 
he wasn't too smart if, if, if I was his operator because I got that noise quite a few times. <laughs> See, Kelly did too. He's laughing. He knows what I'm talking about. Some falls in good, in good ground and grows up, but guess what? It turns, the tares come in. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things. And they choke the word, word out and make it unfruitful. Then the good ground, and it produces 30, 60, 100-fold return. So you're going to have some people you share Jesus with. They're going to love you and be your eternal friend. You have some that will be raised up, and man, you think you praise God, I've got this person to the Lord, and everything's wonderful, and they're going to call you in two weeks and say, I don't believe it anymore. You're going to have others that they just kind of drift away as the word comes in and goes out the back door. And you're going to have some, yeah, okay, see you later. That's okay, because you've sown the seed. You're a sower of the Word of God. That's the reason that at this church, you don't get a bunch of mamby-pamby stuff that's marshmallows. Okay? We give you some graham crackers and chocolate to go with those marshmallows. Something of some substance. I don't mean to be harsh this morning. I mean to be an enlightenment to you where you are because you're here today, you're a trooper. You are not moved by those things as easily as a lot of other people are. And you know what the Bible says, and we've jumped around in it pretty good today. But you know what those verses say, and you can go before and after every one of them and find that they're not out of context, they're right in context. Jesus is a person of compassion. Jesus is a God of compassion. And he will weep over your sins. He's a high priest, not easily touched with our infirmities. He has the answer, the key, and he would say to you today, I died on the cross for you. I was, went to the tomb for you, and I was raised from the dead for you to offer you a free gift of life eternal. Whosoever should come to me shall not be refused. I remember a 14-year-old girl, I don't know if I shared with the staff the other day or maybe somebody, anyway, um, her, her parents and her brother and herself were in the church and I was an associate. Never will forget her, Viviana. And we did little trips uh, takeout trips on Friday nights and Saturday nights to share the word. So we just went out in the community, went to a shopping center. And about an hour later, we reconvened, and Viviana was just bubbling from ear to ear. I went into that laundromat. There was only one person in there, so I started talking to her about Jesus. And she prayed with me to accept Jesus. You, you couldn't slow that girl down anymore. Okay, she went to somebody that was real, and she saw the life change in that person, and it meant something to her. Fourteen-year-old girl, 
I think most of y'all are probably older than that. And um, probably a little more life experience than that. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's not so good. She just went because she knew she was supposed to. God's blessing and anointing are on his word. Not on your eloquence. <laughs> How many people, this is the question I had for me, have I shown compassion to, real compassion in the past years? And I'd like to say a lot, and that may even be truthful. But how many more could I have? How many more would knock on the doors of eternal life if they knew a little more and had an invitation and somebody that reached them with compassion in their heart? No matter what the number, there always could be more. Not works, but because we love Jesus, we love the Father, we love the Spirit. How would Jesus look at them? You know, Jesus is thy will, Father, not mine. In other words, we need to forgive, forget all the unselfishness. Let me back that up again. We need to forget all selfishness. Remember that people that are ready to die today will live forever. Are you one of them? Release compassion. I'm going to do something a little different right now. In an attitude of prayer, I want you to search your heart and say, Jesus, what would you say to me concerning this message? Jesus, what would you have me to do? Maybe right now, all you want to do is pour out your heart to people and for the lost. God, this, our, our church needs a compassion for the lost that is so obvious. And it won't be shaken, but it'll be steadfast marching through into the lives and hearts of people. We're going to put on some music, and I'm going to open up the front up here if you'd like to come forward and pray. I, I, I'd like for you all to be a little more uh, able to, be, to demonstrate in your, your lives when God's showing you something. It'll help you. I'm not putting anybody down. I want to help you, though, if God's saying to your heart, you know, repent, or he's saying this or that, and to show that you're connecting with that, to make a show of that, not for people to, oh, so-and-so did it. No, no, but to make a show to the devil, to make a show to yourself, and to make a show to God that I'm in. You can count on me. Help me, Lord. If you just want to come down here and bawl your face out for the lost people in Oklahoma City, do it. Holy Spirit, would you direct each person and show us how you'd like to send us individually and collectively for your glory in the name of Jesus. Let's take about five minutes or so and do that, okay? Okay.